Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I've got two very great members of DRaiseBay.com on the show with me tonight. We're going to talk about all the spring training goings-ons. Goings-on? Totally botched that intro, but we're just going to keep rolling, uh, including the signing of Harold Ramirez, which I think will kick the show off. But first, let me introduce today's guests. I am joined by... Senior writer at DRaceBay.com, JT Morgan. JT, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Excited for the season to get started after the uh, long winter. Yes, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't any longer than what we've had to deal with. April 7th, you know, we can wait an extra week than what the scheduled opening day was supposed to be. I'm glad we're not missing any regular season games. Also on the show is the managing editor at DRaceBay.com. It's Danny Russell. Danny, what's up? Hey, boys, uh, you know it's a big show when we pull JT Morgan, the brains of the operation, into the audio format because we just need his takes live. We need we need to get the instant reaction to uh, all the naysaying and the hip hip harangue. Uh, I need I need all of JT Morgan's computer brain to come in and tell me how this is going to work this season, what's going to go right, what's going to go wrong. Um, so I'm I'm absolutely pumped to have you back on the pod, JT. Yes, it's it's, it's going to be a fun one, and, and let's get it started. I mentioned it uh, just a second ago, but the signing of right-handed hitting outfielder Harold Ramirez, there's the big fish that we were waiting for this entire hmm. offseason, right, uh, is a guy with no options. And so, uh, JT, I'll just kind of throw it to you. Like, what was your initial reaction to this uh, trade? I honestly had – it caught me completely out of left field. I thought they were – just going to let it ride and go with like Ryan Healy or something. I mean, not to spoil your own article, which we're going to get to, but you did have Ryan Healy making the roster. Yeah. And that's definitely not happening now. It's interesting though, right? Because we saw the Rays go after Freddie Freeman. They were very like, but by the time the, he signed with the Dodgers, they were pretty much a very public second place for that signing. Zach Blobner, who's, Turning into he's he's got a lot of great scoops this year in terms of Rays news. He did the uh, he got the the stadium the split city deal being canned. He got the scoop on that, and you know it sounds like he was very accurate in his reporting about the Rays offering Freddie Freeman a six year deal that was around one hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, but they miss on him. They miss on Matt Olson, who Buster only reported they finished second to trying to get Matt Olson. There was even rumors that they were in on Matt Chapman. They don't get any of those guys, which would have been clear, you know, starters at either first or third base. And they were going after the big fish, but they didn't get any of them. Now they turn to a guy like Harold Ramirez. Is that, Danny, I think this is more of a question for you. Is that a failure for this raised front office? No, because a signing like, or signing an acquisition like Harold Ramirez is the bare minimum. It is exactly what you need to do to balance out the roster. You get a right-handed hitting uh, power hitter, right? That's an ideal kind of dude to come off the bench. You needed another right-handed bat. You're making up for the loss of last year's right-handed hitting outfielder uh, who the race had to cut for 40 man reasons at the beginning of the off season. So this is, this is the bare minimum. This is them doing their jobs. And the way a trade like Harold Ramirez works out is the race probably have phone calls placed to five teams or maybe it's four teams. And then they've got like two free agents that they're thinking about, but it is a 26th man on the roster. We're just trying to balance things out and make sure that we have, you know, all, all of our platoon <laughs> figured out if everything stays the same. So Harold Ramirez is a fine get because it's Bendix doing his job, but they probably had, a similar phone call being placed with the Mariners or, you know, pick whatever team that might have periphery guys that, well, I, I think of the Mariners because they ended up trading Jake Fraley, who's a former Rays prospect. That's a similar kind of guy. We're trying to round out the roster, finish what the, the construction is supposed to be. So as a 26 man, it's not a failure by any means. And, well, and he's not, well, a and the man. other reason for that, well, well, because they're expanding to 28 or <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, when I think of the season long, eventually that 28 will turn back into 26. Right. Um, and, and Harold Ramirez will probably stay again out of options. Uh, he probably doesn't get much better than who he is today, unless the Rays want to unlock something and we can get to that in a second. But if there were a Freddie Freeman signing, 
or a Matt Olson acquisition or something like that, the roster is going to churn in other places. I don't think the roster churns in Harold Ramirez's spot on the roster, because if you pull in Freddie Freeman, all of a sudden G-Man Choi needs to be your DH and you probably move Austin Meadows. And there's a domino effect uh, uh, because Austin Meadows has trade value out on the market and G-Man Choi most likely does not. And that's where that logic kind of plays out. Harold Ramirez still gets acquired in that scenario. So I don't see him as anywhere connected to uh, the inability to land Freddie Freeman, even when you offer more money than the Dodgers. And he, he's also a guy that if, you know, you, you get halfway through the season, if it's not working out, you know, you can, you can cut bait. It's not like you sunk a bunch of prospects into acquiring him. You didn't offer him a, you know, a multi-year contract. You got rid of Esteban uh, Quiroz, who was uh, acquired in that Tommy Pham trade. Uh, JT, I know you're, you're very well versed in race prospects. Esteban Quiroz, he, he's not a needle moving prospect, uh, but is he a guy that can, that can go in and contribute to another major league team? Absolutely. If I was on another team and needed even a bench role, he would be on my short list of acquisition targets just because he is so buried on this Rays roster. He didn't make the 40 man because he's behind guys like Jonathan Aranda, Vidal Brujan. And then you get down to like Xavier Edwards. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely stacked when you're limited to second base if that, but probably first or DH. Hmm. Well, I mean, he's a plus defender at second base. That's not an issue at all. Uh, part of his, uh, the, what's in the way for him is that he's a left-handed hitter. And the role that he would serve on the Rays roster is honestly a, a majority of the Brett Phillips role, right? That speedy replacement defender to kind of slot in now brett phillips is is only for the outfield and that's unique to that kind of player and ken rose is definitely on the infield but when he was first acquired the mentality around his acquisition was oh here's a september call up who's going to add a lot of speed and then we'll see him put on the base pass maybe in the, even the playoffs and see what he can do and then the rays have the opportunity to acquire brett phillips and he fills that role and so he kind of got shortchanged in the whole scenario. Now Kiroz is 30 and it's kind of a make or break time for him anyway. So the Rays are doing him a solid by moving him to another organization where he, he will have more opportunities. Yeah, started and played several years in Mexico. Now going into his age 30 season, um, he said he's put up really good numbers. And I think it's, you know, he's definitely earned a shot in the big leagues and, and whether or not it, it works out. Uh, you know, I wish him the, the best of luck, but the Rays get Harold Ramirez and it's, you know, it's a pretty simple acquisition and he kind of fills this very specific need, um, very similar to what Jordan Luplo was brought in to do. Um, but like Danny had mentioned, he was cut for, for roster construction reasons, a roster crunch. Um, that's really all the Rays have done in terms of bringing in. They also signed Jason Adam um, to, to a deal earlier. Um, not a whole lot else going on in terms of acquisitions for the Rays since the uh, Fraley. Fraley was also acquired, and we can get to Rayleigh. that. Rayleigh. It's another Rayleigh. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> We've got two Rayleighs, and we're, we don't have Fraley anymore. Sorry. Brooks Rayleigh and then uh, the other Rayleigh. But before we depart, Harold Ramirez, JT, what is your overall take on Harold Ramirez? Is he going to become something different with the Rays, or is, is he now who he will be moving forward? I think he's mostly what he is, but there's always some chance that you could get that season out of him. You could get, like, because the exit velocity peripherals are good, he doesn't strike out, but he doesn't walk. That's the big knock is he's going to struggle to post higher than a 300 OBP. So it's going to really limit what he can do offensively. And so far, he hasn't been terrible offensively, but he's not a good defender. So he has to hit, and he's a little below the bar to be an everyday guy. And the Rays aren't going to ask him to be that. So I think it's a, a reasonable fix, a fit for the Rays where they can fix it midseason if they need to. Mm -hmm. It does seem like, well, so to, to really define what Harold Ramirez is, he is what? I'm, I'm working off a of memory here, but maybe top 15th percentile, like the top 15% of MLB and exit velocity, 
but like top bottom 5% of swinging outside the zone. So he's just free swinging for power and seeing what he can knock out of the park constantly all the time with the, the, the negative uh, attribute of Cleveland too. I mean, I technically his rights were acquired from the Cubs, but he, ne- he only reported to Cubs uh, a spring training the day he was traded. And that was why the trade took so long was because of a visa issue. So even though the Cubs got him for cash considerations, he really goes from Cleveland to the Rays. And wow, a power hitting right-handed launch angle plagued uh, out of a position guy in Cleveland goes to the Rays. Where have I heard this before? It's a poor man's Yandy Diaz. Yeah, it's, it really is the third power and it just works. Like he is an above average bat. I mean, if, if one of the two guys you expected to be the power hitter, for sure, it would be Diaz. But um, it, it is. We, <laughs> saw the, we did see the Diaz power start to come back in the second half of last year. That's I'm very interested to see what he can do for a full season again this year. He's just still one of the most interesting players in all of baseball. And I love him. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about him a little bit later. I mean, not to not to waste too much time on the topic, but Yandy Diaz uh, is a perfect test case. The difference between Yandy Diaz and Brandon Lau in my head just shows how important the playoffs are to me, to me specifically, because when I think of playoffs and home runs, I think very highly of Yandy Diaz and I think very low of Brandon Lau. And yet, which one of those dudes actually won a World Series game for the Rays, uh, you know, with his power? So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've got to interject here because we've got some um, reports coming from Mike Rodriguez from Univision and Hector Gomez that the Rays are showing interest in free agent Albert Pujols. Yeah, why not? So what? I mean, what would he do? I mean, would that what would that do to the to the to the roster? I know we're going to get into roster later, but what would he bring to to a Rays locker room, Rays lineup? Uh, I think he platoons G Man Choi. <laughs> Do you play or, first, or is he just your DH Nelson crew? I mean, does he play every day as a DH? Or like a, like- okay, so so in in the Rays way, when you think uh, who he's platooning in the in the hitting lineup is maybe not where he's playing on the field because Yandy Diaz right. okay. stays in the in the game, but then he moves over to first base yeah. when you're facing a southpaw. So uh, it's definitely a short side of the platoon acquisition, but I mean. Dude can hit on that short side. So, does he replace a Harold Ramirez on an opening day roster type of move? Or would you have to DFA or try to move moves? Or maybe there's another trade in the works. Like, maybe, because yeah, like. it seems like if we consider Ramirez that that last man on the roster and that in that right-handed hitter that that comes in, um, you know, maybe they they didn't think they could get Pujol when the time they made that trade, or maybe there's there's going to be some some outfield moves. We've talked about. We thought the Rays were going to trade one of their center fielders the last like three seasons it feels like and they they've kept all of them um they still mm. have all of them mm-hmm. maybe they there there's a move there to keep uh, a ramirez and bring in a, a Pujols or another right-handed bat yeah it's tough if you end up moving meadows i think his name has been the most talked about so far but if the trade-off is meadows for Pujols, you're trading a lefty and you're not getting that consistent lefty power in the lineup in return so and you're not moving Brett Phillips into the full-time lineup to replace Austin Meadows. So what, what is the next domino to fall? I mean, if it's 28 men, maybe it's just another reliever drops off for the first month and you see what you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. And, and Albert Pujols is going to end up signing with the Cardinals. I know that's been reported to by the time this, this comes out on Monday morning, there's a chance that there's, you know, he's, he's already with St. Louis or another team, you know, he's, there's a DH on all 30 teams now. So that definitely changes his market. Um, but let's move into some of the injuries that we've we've seen through spring training. It's been, uh, you know, I wanna, I'll always knock on wood when I say this, but I think the Rays have been pretty fortunate at this point, but there are still some injuries and some that are pretty concerning. We'll, we'll start with Shane Boz, who is undergoing uh, surgery, and he's going to miss the start of the season. Um, JT, did you expect Boz to be on the big league roster opening day? Initially, I did not think so, mostly as a way to control his innings, because he's never thrown more than 120 in a year. It's actually more like 110 or something, depending. Last year depends how much you want to count his time away with Team USA during the Olympics. 
So it's really hard to say, but they probably wouldn't have wanted him to get more than 120 or 130 innings. And this is some way to be able to control that without limiting him on the back end. I was honestly expecting the Rays to roll with the six-man rotation. Uh, I, I hadn't put that on the site. We hadn't talked about that on the pod. But when I was thinking about the starting lineup and or the starting rotation, excuse me, and the number of guys who are inexperienced in terms of shouldering like a 200-inning workload, that's not a thing on this Rays roster. So if you can start spreading out the days that they're all pitching, hopefully I was thinking then you would at least maybe have an opportunity to, to spread out the number of innings. And then that's a way to work Boz in. Uh, but obviously that's no longer in play because the dude had surgery, but also as Neil Solons wrote uh, for the Rays radio blog, how perfect, because this is exactly the kind of situation you kind of, uh, want to be able to give boss tell him take a break for the early going of the season and let's work you up a little bit later so that you're ready and fresh for the postseason no yeah and i think the 28 man roster made it where he was going to be on the roster i don't think they could have sent him down at that point Hmm. and it would have made it easier to run a six-man rotation through the beginning at least so i i don't know it's it's he likely would have made it without this injury considering all the situations but going into the season i didn't expect it it's not outside the realm of possibility the race still roll with six to start the year josh fleming seems to have begun to work himself into a uh a starting rotation cadence as uh we start aligning toward april so i'm interested to see if he's doing that for the purpose of piggybacking or if they are starting to tease out is Josh Fleming something more. You also don't have your first off day until uh, two weeks into the season. You know, mm-hmm. and in the, in the, in the past, in the months of April, the Rays have even used like a quasi four man rotation when there are three or four off days scattered in throughout the month, because you know, the, that kind of makes it a, a almost a, a five man rotation. You get the same amount of rest, um, but you start Friday the 8th, um, your last spring training game is the sixth, and then your your off day is not until the twenty first. You got one more on the twenty fifth, and as far as uh, as we know, I don't know if we know this for certain, but that roster is going to contract from twenty eight to twenty six on May one. I, I I don't know if that's been confirmed, mm-hmm. but it sounds like that's that was the the agreement that was put in place. Um, so you are going to need those arms, and it wouldn't shock me. It, it, we're getting into uh, opening day roster projections already and kind of comes with the territory talking through injuries. Um, but if not Josh Fleming, what about a guy like Tommy Romero? I'm not ready to make him start in the bigs. <laughs> Let's let him, you know, try facing major league hitters. He was not option today. He was not. Today was the first round of cuts. I mean, it's so weird to be at this stage of spring training and to be thinking about, Okay, we have to plan our roster. Okay, we have to start cutting guys because, uh, I mean, Brett, when does AAA season start? It's so soon. Yeah, next Tuesday. So the 40-man players who were optioned today in the first round of the cuts were Pinto and Proctor, the two prospects at catcher, and that's not a surprise at all because catcher is on lockdown for the race. Uh, Jonathan Aranda, who may or may not be an everyday or utility player. I don't think his projection is completely clear yet, even though he was added to the 40-man roster this offseason. So that's fine that he was optioned at this point. And then two pitchers, and neither, I think, were in contention to be starters or making up for balls. Uh, One of those is Brendan McKay, who's still returning from injury, quote-unquote, because he needs to get back into an, every, well, an everyday playing mentality. He's been on the sidelines for too long. And then Calvin Fauché, who... It was interesting to see if the Rays were going to be able to tease him out into a starter after he was acquired alongside Nelson Cruz, but I would say he's probably going to be a reliever. JT, would you agree? Uh, yeah, he's a two-pitch pitcher. He's it, it, It's a very interesting curveball, so we'll see how it plays. Very high spin. Yeah, I mean, Drew Rasmussen is kind of a two-pitch pitcher, and he made it work last year. So who knows? I mean, I kind of see Fauché as like a one-time-through-the-order guy, um, you know, whether that means it's like an opener or out of the bullpen. Does it really matter? Are, are these roles real or innings, innings? 
they definitely aren't real. I, I see him more than a one-inning guy, um, but just kind of like what the team needs and how he continues to develop, which is a really yeah. complicated way of me saying I have no clue what they're going to do with him. Yeah, we have no idea. Also, <laughs> out of respect to Drew Rasmussen, he may or may not have added a pitch this year, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, and then the non-40-man roster guys cut uh, were Adrian De Horta, Zach Irwin, David the Hess Express, uh, David McKay, which is not Brendan McKay, and then the Sledgend himself, Aaron Sleggers, who is back in camp. So uh, it's a first round of cuts. It's the most surprising one in there is maybe Aranda and Fauche. But again, the AAA season started. We got to get going. Yeah, I'm interested to see what Brendan McKay, what his um, recovery looks like, where where it continues. He was given that extra option, just like Brett Honeywell was um for that for that fourth option um let, let Luis Patino any any reason to be worried about his shoulder soreness uh, they kind of it sounds like it was very precautionary and we know the Rays like to get in front of these things as they should are you guys worried about his status before opening day not specifically that was a one-day hiccup he was thrown the next day that seems like a normal spring training kind of thing the not normal spring training kind of thing is the shoulder for Pete yes, Fairbanks. That's where I was going to go next. Um, lat tightness is what we're hearing. That could kind of be a shoulder, upper body. It's not the arm specifically from what we know, but Pete Fairbanks is a guy that's already had two Tommy John surgeries in his career. And it's never a good sign when a pitcher waves the trainer and the manager out to pull him from any game. Um, and that's the case with Pete Fairbanks. I am very... Uh, pessimistic about his status for opening day i have no clue sure. how long it's going to be um, which is fine like if he's on the il um that's fine i'd rather him spend a, uh, three weeks on the il than than miss the season for you know getting surgery or whatever um but yeah that w- w- what does that do to the bullpen who's the Rays a bullpen as as things stand assuming fairbanks isn't there on april 8th oh <laughs> <laughs> it has to be kit rich and Rayleigh. Right. I know. But, well, that's exactly what I was just kind of groaning at because the answer is Kittredge. All right, Mr. All-Star closer. Let's go. But Brooks Raley had what, like a five ERA last year? And we're calling him part of the A bullpen. We haven't even seen him pitch. But the, a two-year multi-million dollar contract for a reliever. Like the Rays think highly of him. Um, they're going to throw all these guys in high leverage situations at one point. But I'm thinking Kittredge and, and, and uh, Raley for sure. And then probably JT Chagois is going to get, you know, that again, these roles aren't roles. They're all made up. But if I'm picking three guys, I think are going to get the chunk of the late high leverage innings. It's going to be those three guys, maybe Ryan Thompson. We've seen him pitch maybe earlier than we were expecting to right before he got hurt. Like the Rays thought very highly of him and would use him in all sorts of situations. Could you guys see him working in some, in some late innings and some big time situations? I mean, he's in the bullpen. He'll get the call at some point. <laughs> at this stage, I'm thinking like maybe Matt Whistler is being considered kind of a back end guy. I mean, based on the the names that are available. I mean, the bull. I mean, running down the bullpen names. If if Fairbanks and Nick Anderson are not available, it's Kittredge, Chargois, Fire Ryzen, Whistler, Brooks, Raley, Ryan Thompson, Jason Adam, and Jason Adam is a, is I think a lock. Uh, and then after that, those extra two names, you're just kind of toying with um, maybe other injured guys who are coming back from injury and you want to see what they're capable of. Yeah, Jalen Beeks and Colin Pochet, who have came back faster than I expected, but they've both pitched in spring training. They both, their stuff looked good. So maybe they will be on opening day rosters. Jeffrey Springs is out there as well. I mean, he's coming off of a ACL tear and I would, honestly not expect him he would be more of a dark horse for me in comparison to the group just because you're coming off of a knee injury and that level of timing it seems a little too soon uh, knee injuries are pretty established i mean tommy john it can there's all different versions of tommy john now so we don't really know what's going on under the hood with those guys but last one i think that warrants a conversation is um tyler glass now he's having surgery on his ankle to remove loose bodies it's an injury that he says happened in 2015 and he never really had any work done on it. I was skeptical about him pitching in 2022 already. 
But do you guys think this changes his timeline in terms of returning this year to the mound? No, not this specifically. I think it's not likely he returns, but there is a chance he could be a reliever in September and in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think this really sets anything back for him either. I mean, he was what was he long tossing yet? He yes, he had. Been I throwing. think he was. I don't know long and, tossing. And at that stage, that that can take like a long, like you're long tossing for a long time. It's not too much of a concern. And also, um, I I think the biggest lesson and the nicest reminder out of all this is how many baseball players are always playing hurt. Right. We underestimate because these are professional athletes that that surely you're just in your physical prime all the time. But Glasnow got hurt in 15 and he was the ace of the starting rotation and he was probably still pitching hurt in the ankle and you just kind of have to work through it. So I'm thrilled for him to get that. It sounds like something that he's on the shelf. Let's get the ankle cleaned up. You know, then if you come back this year, you'll be fully ready to go. Maybe it's something that if it weren't for the lockout, they could have got it done earlier. Maybe during the winter, and he wouldn't have to miss Ooh, any time. I don't like that. What if? I don't like that. Um, but uh, yeah, whatever. Um, it I, again, it doesn't change anything. It's I don't I don't think it, this is a big deal at all. But I saw some people freaking out, saying that he's always hurt. This is this is nothing. This has nothing to do with the arm. Like he said, it's something he's been dealt with for for seven years now. Twenty fifteen was that long ago. Um. But yeah, I mean that's it for the injuries. Kiermaier missed a couple of days with groin soreness. I, to me, I thought those were like veteran. Days Water off. is wet. <laughs> but I, I just thought like he's the oldest. You know, he's he's the guy that's been around the longest. Let's give him a couple of days off. You know, he he's good to go. Don't expect him to miss any time. Um, but but JT, I, we we've we've talked about it throughout the whole episode because we've been talking about prospects and acquisitions and injuries. Uh, but I do want to go over your roster projection. Uh, but before we do so, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back on Raise Your Voice. JT, you published an opening day roster projection on the site a few days ago. And of course, since then, there's been a number of different, well, you have brought in Harold Ramirez. There's been injuries. So things are going to change. And I'm sure they're going to continue to change leading up to April 8th, that opening day at home against Baltimore. Um, But I kind of want to run through it. Um, Mike Zeno, Francisco Mejia, those are the two catchers. With the expanded roster, well, I guess now that's been answered, but did you ever think that there was a chance a Ford Proctor or an A. Pinto could be on the roster as a third catcher? Not with the minor league season going on, but it wouldn't have entirely shocked me, but I didn't expect it. Like, is Ford Proctor, is he going to play exclusively the catcher position this year? Like, they're going to continue moving him around? Because it it seemed to me like there was a potential for him to maybe make – Break, uh, break camp with the team because you can stick him in the infield. You can cat, have him catch if there's an emergency. He seemed like maybe he brought would bring some more uh, positional versatility, but ultimately I, I don't know what their plans are for him for, for, for this season and moving forward. I don't really think so. Like his, like to be a major leaguer, I think it has to be a catcher. He might get the occasional inning and has in spring training so far at second base. He can fake it at third. But it's going to be at catcher if he uh, if he is a major leaguer full time in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going through the infield: Jimon Choi, Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Yanni Diaz, Taylor Walls, and Ryan Healy, who you Whoa. initially had included. <laughs> now we 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 kind of mentioned it earlier, but does Harold Ramirez take take that spot on the roster for for you now? Yes, he does. And and Healy, like, what what's his role with the, with the organization now? Well, he was signed as a minor league free agent, so it's going to be to hit in Durham. And if something happens, maybe he gets an opportunity if Harold Ramirez goes on the DL or something. Or Yandy Diaz, maybe? I mean, maybe. Like, Healy has hit in the majors, but he hasn't been a regular since 2019. So it's been a little while, but he has a 101 career WRC+. plus. So he can hit major league pitching. He has no splits, which isn't ideal for this lineup. But like, it wouldn't entirely shock me if he forced his way into a spot where, if an injury happened. Sure. I mean, at this stage, I mean, the Rays had Mike Ford kicking around in Durham last year. 
like there's always corner infield veterans who are available if an injury happens and you need someone who has major league experience. But Ryan Healy's case is 50 games in the last two years. So it's. And the, the other up and down guy that they lost from last year's team is Mike Brasso. You had Brasso who, who had, who had spent time in both AAA and the big leagues. He's now gone. So you don't really have. Well, your new Brasso is Bruhan. Joey, Joey Wendell turns into Taylor Walls, and then Mike Brasso turns into Vidal Bruhan. Yeah, very different players, but yeah, same, same type of come up when we need him. We'll see what happens. Um, In terms of 2022 roster construction. Right, definitely. Um, outfield, uh, Randy Rosarena, Kevin Kiermeyer, Austin Meadows, Manuel Margot, and Brett Phillips. Now, Harold Ramirez um, in place of Ryan Healy. Who's like the next man up? If if the if, I know that you know with with Ramirez they'll have six outfielders, um, but assuming that none of these guys are traded or moved um, before the start of the season, if there's a couple of injuries in the outfield, who would be the next man up to, to kind of come up on the roster? It has to be Josh Lowe. What kind of injury? That's true too. Are we talking about like Meadows is going to be out for two months? Yeah, or are we long-term. talking about Let's Meadows talk. is going to be out for 10 days? Say, say one long-term and then another guy, uh, you know, goes on the IL for a week and a half. Who, who are you bringing up to? Because you, now you need those at-bats. I mean, so JT, I agree. Uh, the long-term solution is Josh Lowe, it is your time. You know, welcome to the bigs. But Luke Rayleigh is the answer is if you just need to throw someone on the, on the shuttle and get him up here to sit on the bench. I agree. So my next question would be um, if Austin Meadows is, is traded, we talked about maybe he's got the most value out of all these outfielders, maybe the most likely to be moved. Who takes his spot on the opening day roster? Is it a low or is it a Rayleigh? Hmm. Like, I, like I agree that low is probably, <laughs> <laughs> I agree that low is that like that long, longer term answer, but it's like if Austin Meadows is traded April 5th and opening day is April 8th, it feels like, you know, if, if Lowe is still wouldn't get those consistent at-bats at the big leagues, they would go with the Rayleigh, and then you have Rayleigh and Ramirez that can kind of, you know, fill in here and there to go with your outfield of a Rosarena, Kiermaier, and Marco. Um, what, what are your guys' thoughts? I think that's probably how it would work out. Rayleigh would get the short-term opportunities, and you'd work Josh Lowe into this season to get him into some kind of rhythm before calling him up and have a spot for him when he does. That's more than just a minor role. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, he's one of those guys. He did get called up last year, made his big league debut. He only played in one game, um, but he, he's one of those ones where, you know, if he comes up, it's going to be because he's going to play. He's that caliber of prospect, even those that are not as high on Josh Lowe. As some others, um, he, you know, he's a guy that you, you don't want to bring up for for a minimal role. Um, you, you kind of feel the same way about Vidal Bruhan, but at the same time, he is going to kind of be that uh, you know super utility man. He can play, you know, almost any position on the field. I mean, it, I, like I'm still very not confused. I'm uncertain that Bruhan is ever going to break into this Rays team. And I think that speaks more about the Rays' depth than it does about him as a player. Well, JT, what do you think about Vidal Brujan this season? And if he's still with the Rays, if he's not traded, how is he going to contribute? I have no idea right now. There just is not a clear path without injuries opening one up. And injuries are going to happen. So I wouldn't bet against it. I'm still very high on Brujan. But it's... It's going to be tough to crack this roster. This offense is really good. It was second in the majors in runs scoring last year. It's almost all returning. You're going to have a full year out of Wander Franco. This this offense is going to hit, and they are going to put up a ton of runs. Going into the offseason, my thought was, this was just ideas I threw around in my head, that I was under the assumption that Gmon Troy would not be back. Instead, he was the first player to agree to terms, the first arbitration player to agree to terms with the Rays on a deal worth, I think, almost like $4 million. I think it's like 3.7 that he's getting this year. So he, he got paid. Um, and that you could move either a, a Brandon Lau to first base, opening up some more time at second base for a guy like Bruhan or Walls, open up a roster spot. They kept Troy. They've they've kept Lau. They've kept Meadows. Um, all those left-handed bats and Bruhan to switch hitter. But 
there is no path to playing time. There's a roster spot for him. Like, you would make your roster better, but it's that's that's not going to be best for his development. Like, you know, he could replace, you know, your 28th man if it's a Ryan Healy or a Harold Ramirez or whoever and probably, you know, bring the, the, the floor of your roster up. But that's just not what you really want for him as a prospect. Um, let's move into – do you guys have – Danny, do you have any thoughts on Bruhan? I mean, I do wonder if the – if the plug for Meadows would be Bruhan, but honestly, if you're trading Meadows, I think it's because you have something else lined up. Like, I don't think Michael Conforto is walking through that door, but I do think that it's within the realm of possibility that you're only moving Meadows because you have a replacement for the run scoring. So I guess, no, the answer is no. I don't have a unique thought on Vidal Bruhan. Yeah, it's kind of a wait. I mean, so the bet, what's the best case Vidal Bruhan? Like if everything goes right for Vidal Bruhan, he's Kettle Marte. Right, who is signing a, a long-term extension with the Diamondbacks as we record. So uh, I do think that there is a clear path in terms of a type for Vidal Bruhan to contribute at the major league level. I'm just not sure how that shakes out with the Rays in 2022 without an injury. And he did like struggle at times at the plate. And in the big league level, he looked overmatched, but I'm not like, that was a very, that was a cup of coffee. Um, it was less than a cup of coffee. Um, it was a sip or two of coffee. Um, so I'm not like putting that against him, but like even, you know, at, t- at times he came after a great start in AAA with the, with the happy fun ball. I'm interested to see like what he does. I hope he gets some consistency, um, in AAA, but I, I I'd love to see him play in the big leagues as well. Moving into the pitching. I mean, well, before I, I mean, I, I name dropped Michael Conforto JT. Would you want him? I mean, we have him at home. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you rather trade Meadows for value and sign Conforto, or keep rolling with the with Meadows? The devil you know, the ne- devil you don't. Right. Um. If if you got solid value, to have no problem making that swap. I don't think they're significantly different than each other. They both absolutely smash right-handed pitching. They both have bad defensive reputations. It's it's basically the exact same player. It's not the worst idea. No, it isn't. Well, my thoughts on a Meadows trade is like, I think it would have happened already. Like, I don't think the Rays have been holding on to Meadows, like protecting him for, you know, the last two years. Like we've, there's been reports, I think the last like two or three off seasons about Austin Meadows. Um, and I don't think it's any secret that if the Rays got the right deal, they would, they would pull the the trigger on that. So the fact that he's still with the team, the same way that Kevin Kiermeyer is still with the team, I think that kind of tells you one, maybe what the market is, but two, how how much the Rays value those guys. Like Meadows, I've I've publicly not been the the biggest Austin Meadows fan, um, but that's mostly because of his defense. The guy can hit. He, the guy brings production to the lineup. Um, had you know another really solid year offensively last year, and I I would love to have him in the Rays lineup again this season. So I love the roster as it stands. Um, Moving into the pitching, um, Corey Kluber, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Ryan Yarbrough, Luis Patino. As long as Patino has no other setbacks or other issues, sounds like that's going to be the five. We talked about maybe six, and now we've got the 28-man rosters. JT, you had in your bullpen um, for your roster projection 10 bullpen arms, um, which I think is probably right. If they go an extra position player, it would go down to nine. Uh, Pete Fairbanks, Andrew Kittredge, Brooks Raley, Matt Whistler, JT Chagua, Jalen Beeks, Colin Poche, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, and JP Fireisen. Now we know Pete Fairbanks not going to be, uh, well, we think won't be ready for opening day. We don't know that for sure. Um, but it sounds like, you know, pulling yourself out of a spring training game like that, we're like two weeks from the start of the season, doesn't look good for his uh, prospects of breaking camp uh, active. It sounds like he'll probably start on the I.L., um, Jason Adam was the one that I was kind of shocked was, was, was left off. Does he have, I don't even know if he has options. I'll have to look on roster resource. I do not believe. He so does. that would be a, a DFA or a, or a trade. Um, if, if they, if they decide that he isn't going to be good enough to, to break camp with the team. Roster resource says he has an one option, option for Jason Yeah, he Adam. does. Okay. So again, I like that. Let's, we haven't really talked about that signing and I know it's a mostly inconsequential one. But what are, what are your guys' thoughts on on the Rays bringing in Jason Adams? He threw ten and two thirds innings in the big leagues last year. He's a reliever with major league experience. He's got a solid strikeout rate. Yeah, 
He has two first names. <laughs> when you have so many relievers returning from injury and so many left-handed relievers returning from injury, I do think picking up a guy like Adam, who's a right-handed dude who can strike out 40%, if you are able to cut his walk rate by, you know, 50% or some, or even just a third, all of a sudden Jason Adam moves into a upper end of the bullpen kind of guy. So I think he's an interesting roll of the dice. And what does Dave Wills yeah. always say? Just when you think you have enough pitchers, go out and grab a couple more. You know, the the, the Jason Adam signing. Yeah. It's I don't want to say it's inconsequential because he'll you know he'll probably he'll probably get like six saves this year. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> So JT's list, you, you've got Beeks, Poche, Springs, and Thompson all returning. Is that because you know that the Rays trust them? I did not expect them to be ready necessarily, but they've been in spring training games and their stuff looks fine. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be in the majors. I wouldn't have expected it if we had a normal roster size, but I think they are, they do get the uh, benefit of the additional roster spots because you can be a little easier on your bullpen if you have 10 relievers. JT, uh, if, you know, there's going to be injuries, pitchers are going to get hurt. That's what they're best at. Um, Non-roster guys, we just saw the first round of cuts today. There'll be more as we get closer has there been anybody that stood out to you early in the spring, a non-roster guy that you think could get one of the first calls uh, if when, when a pitcher goes down in the bullpen? Colby White is my guy. I had him in my top 10 raised prospect list. I know. It was big drama on, on the, uh, on the <laughs> to have a reliever. A reliever but, in your top 10. Pops. I mean, to me, that says a, like that for, to get high praise like that from JT and, I've got to witness it, like watch it live for the first time in spring training. This Colby White guy, like, looks like he could be the the real deal in terms of of relievers. Yeah, I think like his his fastball curveball combo is very good, and it'll play at the major league level potentially as a back end reliever. The biggest obstacle right now is going to be forty man edition. So early on, he's probably not the guy. And I'm not sure who could be that guy. I mean, it could be Tyler Zombro just to create the story. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, but then you're putting him on the 40-man and then risking having to remove him from the 40-man. I do think the early run of things, if you're playing with 40-man roster relievers and pitchers, it's guys that you're willing to lose. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it's, I mean, I was tempted to say Luke Bard, like, cause I'm just trying to think of dudes who have experience, but don't sleep on Robert Duggar as being a guy that the Rays might call up the type of dude who can go one time through the order has plenty of major league experience. Um, you know, I don't think he's the, the shiniest gem uh, out of the NRIs, but I do think he's the kind of dude that you'd be willing to burn through from a roster construction standpoint. What about a Chris Mazza? Where, well, so, Chris Mazza needs to be put back on the 40 man. And I do think if you're saying which guys in camp have looked great, I do think the reports on Chris Mazza have been super strong and maybe dare I say better than expected. So uh, I do think he has that going for him, but not being on the 40 man roster. And then does that create a crunch? Like that just makes me a little bit worried about when he gets added. Any other thoughts on the opening day roster and, and what could change or maybe something you're looking at before we get into the raise your voice segment of tonight's podcast? This team is good. Which is going to make the next part very interesting. <laughs> well, well, is back it? Back to back. Is uh, it? Most wins in the AL, so is it? Let's go is it let's, good? Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back where I'll let Danny and JT and probably myself a little bit as well raise our voices about the 2022 race. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, and it's time for JT, Danny, and myself to raise our voices and make the case for why the 2022 Tampa Bay Rays will not be playing in the postseason. Now, we know the Rays are talented. We know they're coming off of back-to-back division champions championships, but there's a scenario which any team can miss the postseason, and we're going to try to break down and raise our voices what that scenario looks like for the Rays. Danny, uh, I'm going to let you start. 
yeah, here's why I'm worried. The Rays are relying on three starters who have never thrown 100 innings in their life. Then they have Shane McClanahan, who's maxed out his pitch count at 123 innings. And then there's the frequently injured Corey Kluber. And then Mr. We Celebrate 90 miles per hour now, Ryan Yarbrough. And that's your starting rotation. We already talked about Boz and how much there's a, a concern about whether or not he could shoulder enough innings. And we're thanking the Lord and the baseball gods that he has ankle surgery so that we get to delay when he gets to start. Now, Pete Fairbanks' shoulder is acting up. It's the third time in the calendar year he has a shoulder injury of some kind. There's a very real possibility that pitching from start to finish cannot withstand 162 games. If Andrew Kittredge gets hurt again, which he has been hurt many times, there is no ace in the bullpen. And you have a starting rotation where we literally 30 minutes ago were saying, oh, I wonder if Josh Fleming could be a starter again. This is very concerning for a team that you think might be able to score the most runs. The problem is they might also allow the most runs, and therefore you are at risk for not making the playoffs. It's it's a heavily platooned roster also. It, you might have transition years of trying to pull in Walls and Bruhan and, and, and J-Lo. So I, I don't know how you integrate new prospects into a roster when you're trying to score the most runs possible. You're considering adding aged Albert Pujols at this point, it makes it sound like you don't even know what you're doing. So I have my concerns. I, I think those are all valid. And uh, it wouldn't be fun if we knew what was going to happen this season before it played out. We will get to watch it play out in real time. JT, I, I know we're very much in agreement. And I think Danny deep down is too, that this is a very good team. But lay out the case for the Rays missing the postseason this year. Unfortunately, I do not have a crystal ball, so I cannot predict pitcher health. Pitcher health is the one downfall that can take down any team. It just doesn't matter. You can never have enough pitching. The Rays could trade. They could cover a lot of injuries if they needed to by trading, by calling up guys like Tommy Romero, Josh Fleming. These guys could be effective major league pitchers. But at some point, there's just too much that you can't overcome. And that would be how a season gets derailed. The second way would be just running bad by like your Pythagorean uh, win percentage, like run 10 games under like Toronto did last year or close to 10 games under what you're expected. And they missed the playoffs. And they maybe got better. Having, yes. And they probably, I don't know if they got better. The their whole thing is like even just keeping semi in, they probably weren't as good as they were last year from an actual production standpoint. However, they probably would still win more games. So that that's going to be an interesting part, but that's how a race season could fall apart is by having the production, but just not winning enough games, even though the stats say they probably should. So it sounds like we're both concerned with the pitching. That's my takeaway. I'm not concerned about the pitching, but you're also never not concerned about pitching. I I'll, I'll try to take it more on the offensive side, like Mike Zanino, right? Um, 134 WRC plus, a, a, a career year at the plate. That's not the hitter Mike Zanino is, right? Now, we don't expect him to go back to you know his 2019 numbers where he had a 46 WRC plus. Uh, you know, only hit nine home runs in 90 games. But I think it's, you know, it's not unreasonable to say that he's not going to hit 33, that he's not going to put up a WRC plus north of 110, right? Maybe not even north of 100. You know, his first two years were with the Rays were like career low years for him. So who's to say that, that he's going to re repeat that production in 2022? He's now a year older. Um, is he going to have to split more time with Francisco Mejia? What would that mean? Um, you, you look at another guy like Yandy Diaz, um, and, I, and I know there, I know Danny has some concerns about Yandy Diaz. Personally, he's been one of my favorites. Um, but you saw him, uh, you know, OBP dropped, and I know he put up some some really good numbers in 2020 in the, in the short year 
Um, and I don't want to draw too many conclusions based off of that. Um, but Taylor Walls, like we saw Taylor Walls, who in, in the, the, the optimist in me thinks that more time in the big leagues means he'll come around at the plate. But he struggled last year in his 170 plate appearances at the big league level. Is he going to be a big league hitter? You know, what, what, does, he, what does he represent in your lineup? Um, Wander Franco is still very young, and he could have very well been the rookie of the year last year. He's only going to be 21 years old this year. Now, I know we want him to be an MVP caliber bat. Hasn't had a full season in the big leagues. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. Um, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau. Like, what happens if those strikeout numbers stay high? Like, this is a team that put up an insane amount of run production, but we couldn't figure out 100%. We couldn't nail down the reason why they were producing as many runs as they were last year. You know, that you look at their their OBP numbers, their BABIP, the way that a lot of other teams that were towards the top of the American League and runs scored, Houston, Toronto, the Rays were driving in runs in a very different way. Is that real or was that a, a one-off? I'm not sure, and I, I could see it where this lineup maybe underperforms this year. And the other reason that I could see them not making the postseason is because we could debate whether or not, you know, Toronto got better or not, but they just added Kevin Gosman. They, added, they have another year of an MVP caliber bat in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They added a platinum glove winner who has had a couple of down years at the plate, but a Matt Chapman's a very good player, player I'd love to have on the Rays, and it sounds like they tried. Maybe didn't put out the same offer that Toronto did. New York still got a very talented roster. What if they finally put it all together this year? I think they've kind of underperformed the last two seasons. Even with the expanded postseason, this is a very talented American League East. And it's going to be a tough race for any of these four teams, not including Baltimore, to, to make the postseason. Um, so the Rays, maybe they've over overperformed. Maybe they fall into that range where the variants can get them and they find themselves a game or two out of the wild card come the start of the postseason. Yeah, this would all this would suck if any of these things happened. Would not be a lot of fun. <laughs> we might get some, some some discussion in the comments. I know the raise your voice articles don't always blow up, but maybe we'll get some some people that are pissed at us after after this one. It, it's just a risky situation, but the Rays have never been risk averse, right? They've always, uh, I think, embraced risk in order to see what you can get out of other situations. That's the same reason why you're not willing to spend on. A, a known quantity like Charlie Morton because you can save $5 million and try to do something different by stretching out a Drew Rasmussen down the road at the league minimum. Like the Rays are always accepting it's risk. Different risk. It's a different risk, but they're always accepting risk. And it's worked so far. And they, and they trust their internal valuations. I mean, you have to. <laughs> Which organization are we sitting here being like, that team doesn't trust their internal evaluation. We're not the Rockies. <laughs> the Rockies. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> that is very fair. But but maybe they trust them to a fault. Like maybe a guy like Rasmussen won't work out. But um, I, I think we've all raised our voices. And, you know, these worries, even though I'm confident this is going to be a very good race team once again, you know, we, we're going to see how it plays out over the course of the season. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Maybe we'll be a little more positive next week towards the end of the show. But thank you to JT and Danny. Thank you guys for, for coming on this week. You bet, man. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of our great spring training coverage as we head into the season. And once again, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.